welcome to the Data Rockstars Coffee Pod with me, Kelly Peters. And me, Regina Lally. We're back together this week, chatting about what's happening in the world of data and data protection. And this week, we have found a couple of stories that we thought would be interesting to discuss because it's a problem that seems to come up time and again around an online reservation system and Amazon Web Services buckets and reporting information and accidentally putting information in the public domain that you didn't mean to. So um, again, we'll just be talking through what happened and uh, what we can learn from it. Cool. If we start off with the uh, the meteor of the two stories, which is the hotel reservations story, which earlier this week um, it hit the press that I think it was several hundred million records were exposed to the public via a, a vulnerable uh, cloud storage, and they were have... over ten million records. Ah, thank you. And. What was interesting about this was that it was a cloud storage that is used for the likes of Booking.com and and Expedia and included uh, records as recent as this summer. And I think there was 180,000 records that was part of this August. But there were records from before. And again, you might be like, well, okay, what what does that mean? Well, the records included details about your reservation details about your credit card, including the three-digit CVV um, code, information about you as an individual. So um, the fact it's out there in the public domain is a rich source of data for anyone that wants to try and scam you or use your data for fraudulent uh, purposes. And interestingly, on my LinkedIn, I some people have already said that they suspect that this might be the reason why they started to get an increase in calls in the last few days, which I thought was quite interesting. Now, the fault itself is a well-known problem uh, with Amazon Web Services, and it's not so much the service, it's how it's been configured by the company. So um, Amazon Web Services have something called Simple Storage Services, which is S3, and it is a very popular product for cloud provision. Uh, it's been available since 2006, and the biggest problem with this is that there is a switch that allows the data to be made available to the public. Mm -hmm. So if you're into the world of hacking or you have any kind of scanning going on across the internet, you will find records of you or your clients exposed to the internet. Now, Amazon Web Services have tried a number of times over the years to try and rectify this problem by all new accounts now going to default private. The problem is, is that when the administrator within a company uh, goes in and modifies any of the permissions or makes available the data to the public for a brief amount of time, if they're distracted for any reason, that data may continue to be exposed out there on the internet. About why would you be trying to make any of that data public at any point? So why would they be switching that to public facing? Because the, the nature of that data would very much be the case if you wouldn't want it to be public at any point, let alone for even a brief amount of time. I don't know. No, I think the original position was that it was public. Again, I, I don't understand. I think partly it might have been in 2006 that, well, this is a nice new provision of a service and, you know, fast forward 14 years and, you know, what we now store and what is being pushed as being the best way of storing data is in the cloud. I'm not sure that everyone has necessarily considered all of the security risks. And if they've made any changes, have they really gone back and done a full audit trial to see? have they put themselves at risk on this and 
And in fairness to companies, uh, they are, uh, and certainly to Amazon, they do push out regular messages to tell people to check these. But it just goes to show that this happens. It's happened to a client um, of ours. Uh, it is an easy mistake to make. The problem is, is that the impact on individuals is significant. And what they've been saying about this is that if you are an affluent or wealthy individual and you happen to have some kind of hotel stay, they fraudsters may want to use that as a way of being able to blackmail you. You've obviously got the higher interest of kind of like if you've got a lot of credit card details, there could be greater risk of the phishing scams coming in. And, you know, it's I think it's an it's an easy win. The company have notified the information commissioner uh, because they obviously are uh, covered by the, the, the GDPR and if found to be a serious fault or breach, there could be real ramifications to this company in terms of a financial penalty. But I think the real risk is to individuals. So, um, I mean, I think for me, the problem is the fact that this is software that integrates hot- across all hotel systems that mm-hmm. want to use it and integrates that with their multiple online booking systems. So you've got kind of like a linchpin, if, if you like, connecting both sides of both systems. And that's where the weakness is. So you've got a situation where, like, as you said, if you've got hotels that have recorded information about individuals within their systems, but, you know, often there will be a restriction about bookings, I think, that comes through from these external sites, but they are held and like the data is then held within a place where you can't necessarily as the hotel get all the full full details because obviously those booking sites want to protect their rights over that data and the ability to contact their customers and so you've got a situation where obviously all of this information has been built up and pulled together and you've got individuals where if they've got multiple stays happening if there's information that's kind of been disclosed like you said as part of that stay that then puts that individual at risk because it's more sensitive information like you said that opens them up for blackmail but I think for me it really demonstrates the the risk that appears in the supply chain is you know how could how can these providers who've um, done nothing actually try and you know their responsibility is very much about trying to manage their supply chain and how they can do that without putting when it's such a big company and how how can they actually effectively manage that setup of a cloud service and and try and test their supply chain to make sure that there's there's not the weakness there and i think that's something that people can take for granted that you know particularly with maybe bigger companies that they're more likely to be secure and how can you actually put that to the test and make sure the data that you're entrusting to them is going to remain secure and not inadvertently end up on a public True. website because yeah. you know 10 plus 10 million plus people is a it's a lot of people that are being affected by this and i think like you said some of the records went back to 2013 mm-hmm. which again asks the question about you know some of those card information will then be out of date so why why is that record still being held and that's poor retention so there's a whole sort of gamut of issues here around you know, how how businesses need to be looking after their data better and engaging with the supply chain and mm-hmm testing what are those companies doing to maintain security and and i think that's a question as well is you know how often are companies that are using the 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 buckets and the online cloud storage solutions how many of those regularly and routinely just go back and check everything that it is you know it is still as you set it up that nothing is inadvertently switched through an update or you know that somebody hasn't gone in and done something wrong and there's a stat that was done in a study earlier this year that says that apparently six percent of all google cloud buckets are misconfigured to public access wow which when you think of the number of google cloud buckets that are out there that's going to be a significant number and i think you need to be routinely checking 
that those have got the correct permissions on them and don't just assume because if various individuals in your organization are setting up different ways of storing information then there's a real risk that somebody might have made a mistake or ticked the wrong box or unticked the wrong box and then put people's data at risk yeah i think that's a a really useful number of learning points that you've pulled out there Regina is is it you know how many people when they take on a new cloud provider genuinely ask the questions about the security measures that are in place other than that oh we have appropriate security measures what are you doing as your due diligence to check that or are you just saying well everyone else is using this it must be good I'm going for it you then touched on the really you know one I was going to mention about retention is why do you still have records that go back to 2013? What's what is your justification for having that data? And interestingly, and um, even though it might be out of date, I had an out of date credit card on an account, and they thankfully because it needed to, they processed another payment for me on my new credit card. But they just as so they, they were able to process it even though my expiry date was out of date, and it went through on my credit card, wow. um, which prompted me to go in and update the record. But I don't think you can just assume it because your credit card might be out of date that process, that payments may not be being taken. So, yeah, I think as a company, you have a responsibility to check where you're going to be storing your data. And if it's going to be sensitive data, what additional measures have you done to check that it's going to be kept secure? Because your people accessing you trust you their data safe. Absolutely. And I think the implication for so the company is Prestige Software and it's their cloud hospitality solution. So the implication for them, it's not just GDPR related because there's specific regulations around the collection of payment card information. Um, So the PCI DSS and apparently they could actually be stripped of their ability to accept and use payment because which then for their business is that's what they do. That's business ending. So, you know, it's they it just seems like a very small silly mistake that somebody didn't tick a box and then it leads to all this impact on individuals the impact on the company itself both from a data protection perspective and the potential fines there and their ability to actually run their business which actually links in really nicely with the other story that um you identified which was the the department work and pension who had uploaded a glorious spreadsheet one of my favorite subjects of all time onto the uh, onto the web and expose people's national uh, insurance details for those that were um, claiming a particular type of benefit. And I think it took them some time to recognise that they'd uploaded something that had too much information. It was exposed for two years. So it was back in 2018 that they'd uploaded these spreadsheets. And, you know, the government have a requirement, requirement to be transparent and part of their transparency reporting. But, you know, there is a thing as, you know, checking what you're including in that that kind of reporting. And even if it's transparency um, to show where money's going or decisions are being made. And there was a similar incident that we talked about a few weeks ago at the Cabinet Office. And again, through this transparency agenda, people's details were, were released. And um, you have to make sure that you're releasing appropriate information and you're not putting individuals' data at risk, even if as a government you're required to be transparent. There's a level of transparency that's necessary. You know, they argue that I think it was 6, 000, over 6,000 individuals' national insurance numbers were, were released and online for two years. I think it took them a little while as well from when they were notified to actually take both of the spreadsheets down. And they argue that you can't identify individuals from it. However, you've still got somebody's national insurance number 
you now also know that they're claiming a particular type of benefit. So again, with everything that's happening with the breaches that are available, you know, how much time then a hacker is likely to put in to try and do some data matching, you know, yeah. if it's come else, you know, if somebody else has been slack with data and, you know, let's say somebody's payslip ends up on the web or Morrison's hack that happened where people's yeah. salary details and all that payment information was on the web. Suddenly, you know, with all these little bits happening everywhere, if you've got any overlaps of people, then you know, people are clever, that the hackers are clever and they will be able to link up all this information yeah. to be able to start pulling together a profile of individuals that they can look to to exploit. And so every I think it doesn't matter what the nature of the data is, you still have to be careful with it. And so there might be a limited risk at this moment in time, but it's still about letting those individuals know that that data has gone out there because your national insurance number identifies you uniquely yeah. as an individual. And I think there's I think there's still risk there, despite the fact it's not directly identifiable. I think there's a chance it could become indirectly identifiable. So putting you on the spot here, you know, because that's how I roll today. What would be the one tip for you would say to people that are uploading data uh, to the web? I think have a checklist, have a checklist of what's what do you actually need to include? What's the requirement for your reporting? And then, you know, we say it when we're telling people around if if they're sending information via email, if you're making data public avail um, available to the public, have a check that there's nothing in there that you don't want to be in there because it might not just be personal data. There could be embarrassing things that are in there that you don't expect. There could be notes. There could be it could be a draft version with comments on it. You know, and I think it's those are all like little things. It's like, is this the final version? Has it got what we need in it? Has it? Does it involve personal data that shouldn't be there? And I think the question then has to come is have the staff who are doing the uploads been trained on what the personal data is and whether or not they understand that's a national insurance number. Why am I uploading this? Is this the right spreadsheet or is there another one? And it's questioning and not just doing what you're told to do and ticking a box to say we've uploaded a, a spreadsheet that we needed to. Marvellous. Awesome. That was a pretty awesome vocal discussion there, Regina. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the only one that rants about spreadsheets, so yay. That actually brings us to the end of uh, this podcast, which uh, went phenomenally quick. So uh, thank everybody for uh, for listening, Regina, for uh, for taking part. If you have any questions or want to know more about what we've discussed, you know, email us at the coffee at dbxuk.com. And um, yeah, I hope you uh, join us for another podcast in the future. So thanks for listening.